My guest today is Trading Places Research. He's a fellow essay contributor and a complete expert when it comes to AI and all the technology that surrounds it. Today, we got together to discuss the upcoming ARM IPO. ARM is a company that manufactures IPs for semiconductors. It has very large clients such as Google, Nvidia and Microsoft. The ARM IPO might excite a lot of investors, but there's actually a lot of interesting risks to consider. Some significant issues when it comes to China. Today, Trading Places Research was kind enough to come on the show and tell us everything that we need to know about ARM, the ARM IPO, what investors should do how, and how to profit from this IPO. And we also got a chance to talk about NVIDIA and even Tesla. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out Trading Places Research on Seeking Alpha. He has some great content there and a great investing group. And as always, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, welcome back to the show, Trading Places Research. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're going to cover a pretty interesting topic today. Uh, we have the ARM IPO coming up on Thursday, I believe. Uh, yes. Companies projected to you know, come out on the market at a valuation at about $50 billion. Is that right? Well, uh, the, the news today is they're going to try to push that up a little bit. Um, uh -huh. I was counting on about 52 as of yesterday. I think it's going to be maybe closer to 55, but in, in that general vicinity. Right. And of course, Arm is basically a computer chip designer. Um, you know, I've been doing a bit of reading about Arm and what it does. I'm going to let you uh, do the talking here because you're the expert. Uh, start us off just by letting us understand a little bit better what Arm does. Okay. So, um, ARM doesn't make chips. They and they license that and get royalties from it. Um, and this all began back in the 80s when Apple needed a, a low power chip to power the Newton. If, if anybody's old enough out there to remember the Newton, which was the original PDA, that was a big flop um, for Apple. But Arm came. Arm was a joint venture that came out of that, and the idea was has always been to keep power requirements, electricity power requirements low, and iterate up performance, keep pushing that up year after year, but always with the eye on keeping the power draw low. And of course, once the smartphone you know revolution happens, they become very central to that. So your phone, your tablet, if you own a Mac, your Mac, um, mm. your TV, your refrigerator, your car, all have ARM chips, chips made by other companies that are based around ARM IP, that they license from ARM. And so what ARM makes is an instruction set, which is the most basic level at which hardware and software talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And core designs for CPUs and GPUs built around that. And these are licensed. And most companies, with the, with the major exception of Apple, most companies license that whole package, the instruction set plus the cores. Uh, mm -hmm. Apple makes their own cores because they're Apple. Uh, they just license the instruction set. But all the I've, all the chips that Apple makes are ARM chips. Um uh, Qualcomm, everything, pretty much everything Qualcomm makes is an ARM-based chip. Um, MediaTek, Samsung, mm -hmm. um, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, right. What about a company like like NVIDIA? Would they be using any of ARM's technology? They're new. Well, they were going to buy ARM. And the reason mm -hmm. they wanted to buy them was to control the, the roadmap Um to not just be a licensee to be, but control the roadmap and push it towards data center because their new grace um, data center CPU is an arm chip. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to control that whole thing and everybody objected. All the customers objected because arm has never competed with their customers. They don't make chips, but mm. that may be changing. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so that's their business. They, 
they they keep making new versions of this IP, new versions of the instruction set, new versions of the cores. There's cores for chips that cost a penny. There's cores for data center chips that are very expensive that cost hundreds of dollars. Right. So like I, I, I ran off that list of electronics. So all that's run by arm chips. Um, last year, uh, 30, uh, last year they shipped, uh, hold on, let me get the number right. They shipped 30. Now I can't find it. I know they've, they've shipped, they've shipped a qu 30 billion. I think it is. They've shipped a quarter trillion chips in, in the company's history. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of chips. They, they ship, there's just a lot of going on here. It's starting to get into PCs now with that, starting with Apple and Qualcomm is going to have a very good PC chip um, that they're going to debut in October. Mm -hmm. um, so that's starting as well. And something like eight to 10% of cloud is now ARM-based CPUs. Um, uh -huh. That's mostly AWS and Alibaba Cloud with their own, um, their role, their own uh, chips, their own custom chips based around ARM cores. Mm -hmm. um, so they have this mobile thing. Basically, every chip that does every chip that's not in a Windows PC or a data center server. Mm -hmm. is an ARM chip, right? Every every CPU chip is an ARM chip that isn't, isn't Intel or AMD, right? right? And they're starting to displace Intel and AMD in their core markets, laptops and data center, okay? Okay. So there's a real story here. There's a very real story here. But they got that way this is a very slow revolution, right? That's taken like decades to happen, mm -hmm. but we're at a, we're kind of at a crucial moment of it, but they got that way because they let their customers make all the money. Right. The, their licensing terms are very reasonable. Their royalties are very low and they get that kind of volume. 30 billion chips a year, right? Mm -hmm. By not charging that much. And so they made $2.7 billion in fiscal 2022. Meanwhile, Qualcomm made, you know, 30 something, I don't know, 30 something billion, right? Mm -hmm. Using their IP. Okay. Right. And they, they would like that to change and they're getting a little aggressive about that. Um, so the NVIDIA deal failed because so many of their custom, ARM's customers objected to this. Right, of course. Um, because, you know, they've never, they've never competed with their own customers before. And mm -hmm. so the longtime CEO, Simon Seegers, retired. And in his stead is, um, is now uh, Rene Haas, okay? Mm -hmm. They were a public company till 2015, 2016. Uh, SoftBank bought them in 2016 for 32 billion. Uh, I was a shareholder back then. I was pretty happy with that valuation. I thought they overpaid by a lot. Um, they're still only making 2.7 billion a year, right? Right. Even 32 billion is over 10 times sales, <laughs> right? Um. So, in that time between 20, the 2015, the last annual we got from ARM and the 2022 fiscal we just got in, in the F1, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, that's a, that, that's a kind of a crucial period and it's from peak to peak. 2015 was a peak, 2022 was a peak, right? So in that time, the number of chips shipped per year that grew at a 13.5% cager, but revenue only grew at 9% a year. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, R&D um, was, was growing at 13% a year, 
Okay. And it's killed, it killed their operating margins. They went from 37% operating margin to 29%. Well, well, SoftBank had them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't grow as fast as the chip growth. We know this. They, the chip growth was 13.5%. The revenue growth was 9%. Mm-hmm. And um, and they're losing and and they're losing operating margin to their substantial R and D costs in order to, you know, make all this IP. Right. So they so they have this new CEO who came from licensing, not from the technical side, not from the tech side, and he's been really aggressive. They're suing Qualcomm. They're suing their second biggest customer right now. Um, we're in the discovery phase, and um, that's that's due for September ne- next September. Um, they're suing them over the very IP that's going to make that has that holds a lot of promise to push ARM chips into Windows PCs, an acquisition that Qualcomm made in uh, 2021 company called Nuvia, which was founded by the former head of Apple's chip unit, mm-hmm. who is now running engineering at Qualcomm, a guy named Gerard mm-hmm. Williams III, who is a highly, highly esteemed chip designer. And Qualcomm's and, and Arm is suing Qualcomm, and um, they want them to destroy all that IP. Because they said the license is not transferable. Okay, so let's let's do a little bit of a recap there because we've covered a lot. It's, so. I know there's so much. There's <laughs> so so for, for much. Any, for anyone we haven't even um, gotten to the we haven't even gotten to China yet. That's the craziest yeah. thing. They spent right. thirty five hundred words on China in their in their F one. And, and and we will talk about that. But just just to recap for anyone who isn't very familiar with um and you know maybe not so. Uh, not so adept at understanding the technology behind it. Uh, ARM essentially doesn't design chips, you could say. It designs these uh, IPs, right? Which could we just, could we say that's like software, essentially, to an extent? It's, I, I guess it's it's infrastructure, really. It's it's mm-hmm. more infrastructure than it is software. Okay. It's, 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 the, it's the IP that underlies all these chips, Apple's, mm-hmm. Qualcomm's, Samsung's, mm-hmm. MediaTek. STM, right. I keep going. And, and if I, it, if I understand ahead. correctly what you've been saying, then obviously you've named all these clients that uh, ARM has. So everyone's kind of very dependent on this infrastructure. And to an extent, would be would it be fair to say that you know ARM's achieved this kind of um, market share because it kind of like you said it prices its its products very um, very low, right? It it actually yeah uh, you know yeah that's okay. how they've. That that's how they've gotten here is that mm-hmm. they've let their customers make most of the money, mm-hmm. and by right. a lot, you know, not even by a little, by a lot. But but that puts them now in a situation where potentially they have quite a lot of power, which I guess is maybe what's emboldening them to to go ahead and pursue this lawsuit with Qualcomm. Yes, but there's there's a another factor which is there's another instruction set mm-hmm. that's open source and free as in beer and as in speech um mm-hmm. you can anyone can use it for free and modify it however they like and use it for, for any purpose they like and it's called risk 5 uh and it's open source and it's free and people are using it and got a lot of momentum last year and Qualcomm just started a JV after the lawsuit, just started a JV with a bunch of uh, German chip companies mm-hmm. to start making Risk Five chips, starting with automotive. Um, but they eventually want to make a smartphone chip, and they risk pushing their customers to free uh, three or four German uh, uh, semi companies to start making automotive chips out of Risk uh, based on Risk Five. And then they're going to make uh, smartphone chips based on Risk Five. I I I th- I I think Apple probably already has 
parallel designs on RISC-V or their own proprietary instruction set. Mm -hmm. But they just signed to, to 2040 at the old terms. They just locked in the old terms to, to, until 2040. So they're not moving. Mm -hmm. So it, I, the, the, the new thing that seems to be happening is they're going around and they want to take a piece of not every chip, but every device that's sold with an ARM chip in it, which right. is like I told you was like everything. So mm -hmm. they want a piece of every TV, every car, every smartphone, every tablet, every, every Apple computer, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not very realistic, I guess. That's opinion. what they've been floating, apparently. Um, Qualcomm said that that's what they've been doing in their in their response in the lawsuit, and then subsequent reporting confirmed this that they've been floating this. But mm -hmm. then they resigned with Apple under the old terms, right? So I don't know. You know, Apple is their biggest customer. I think at twelve percent, they said they have a twelve percent customer and a ten percent customer. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, Apple and Qualcomm. In that order, mm -hmm. um, so they're suing their second best customer. Doesn't sound like good business to me. I don't know. I just think that's a bad idea. And right. it turns out, we're, yeah. and in Qualcomm's response, they said this is over tens of millions a year. Tens mm -hmm. of millions is how they phrased it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a lot of money we're talking about. And this is this is Qualcomm's entire strategy going forward is based on this IP at the center of this lawsuit and arms suing their second best customer. I don't get, it. I don't get why, why, why they haven't settled yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I mean, what, what, what does quote, what are Qualcomm's alternatives here then? If well, they just say well, well, they're yeah. going to release these chips while they're probably, they're going to, they're going to preview them uh, in October at their annual event at their, at their Snapdragon event in October. And then they'll probably show up in devices at um, at uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas in January. Mm -hmm. um, and the trial is until September. So they're going to be out in the wild, these chips, while Qualcomm is going to be suing. I mean, while Arm is going to be suing them to destroy <laughs> this mm -hmm. IP. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they threw in a trademark, they the trademark infringement for, for good measure, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all going on. Um, the value, I mean, the, anyone with a calculator can see these are some sky high valuation multiples. Mm -hmm. They're looking at we're looking at like twenty times sales. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you know, just looking at their best, this is at a 52 billion. This is my math at 52 billion mm -hmm. for their best 12 months 19 times sales, 77 times operating income, 62 times a bit of 46 mm -hmm. times free cash flow, right? Well, you know, they're, they're writing that AI multiple valuation, I guess, I guess, but like you know. They don't make GPUs. Mm -hmm. They make, you know, CP, mostly CPU is, is, is their business. Mm -hmm. um, so, but okay, so then there's ARM China. This uh, is before, crazy. before we get into that, I, want, I wanted to ask though, what do you think about the timing of this IPO? What is the, uh, what do you think of the reasoning behind, behind the timing is? Why, why are they IPOing right now? Well, SoftBank needs to exit. They need cash. Okay. And that's another thing. They're not, they're only selling 10% of the company. Uh -huh. Not even. Okay. Um, only about one out of 12 shares is going to be in the public float. Mm -hmm. So the stock's going to fly around a lot when there's, whenever anything's happening. Um, because it's very, it's just not a lot of market depth there. Uh, mm -hmm. They're still, and, and, and I think they're going to do what Intel's doing with Mobileye. Which Intel sold seven percent of Mobileye initially, and then just this past June they sold another five percent, and they're going to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. The public float rose by eighty-one percent when they sold that five percent. Right, um, and the same kind of thing's going to happen with ARM. You have ten of their customers um, taking an average of 
uh, I think they're they're all putting in like all together putting in like eight hundred million. Mm-hmm. Arms only raising like five billion dollars total a year, mm-hmm. or SoftBank is more more uh, more specifically. SoftBank's only raising five billion. They're they're holding on to the rest of it because they want more money for it because they paid thirty two billion, right? <laughs> and it's not a great return. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think the price to be higher, you know, soon. So they need to exit. They wanted to exit to NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work out. And so they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the timing is just this is as soon as they thought it was worth doing because of, right. the you know, the general macro environment. I mean, if you look at any of the um, the investment bank, you know, investment bankers, you see how poorly they're doing with their m and right now. And their IPOs and all that. There's just nothing happened. So this is kind of the beginning. We also got um, what you call Instacart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just the uh, just right after we got the Instacart S one. Um, that's also okay. They did a nice cleanup job. They cleaned that up nicely. But anyway, um, so do you, you want to talk about anything else before we go to on China? Yeah, just so here's my question then because. I'm assuming that there's a lot of a lot of the people buying the uh, um, shares would be potentially some of the customers, right? Companies like Google, Nvidia might be buying not some Google, of these not shares. Google, but the, the full list is. Let me think. Okay, Apple mm-hmm. and everyone but Qual- It's basically everyone but Qualcomm, Apple, Samsung, Cadence Design, Synopsys, MediaTek, um, Nvidia. Uh, right. Intel, so, a, a, Intel, AMD. I guess my I question would eight. be: Doesn't doesn't this kind of fly in the face? I mean, if suddenly you have all these all the customers potentially owning part of the company, doesn't that kind of fly in the face of this new strategy whereby they are actually trying to squeeze the customers more? Isn't that a bit? I, I, there's a lot that I don't understand here. There's a, mm-hmm. that's one of them. That's a lot. There's a lot that I understand. I think they just wanted mostly these companies. This is a small investment for most of them. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to make a show of support. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a hundred million to Apple. Seriously, <laughs> hundred million to Samsung. You know, whatever. Right. Pretty so, negligible. Yeah. The like the only two smaller companies in there are Cadence Design and Synopsys. They make uh, design tools for designing ARM chips mm-hmm. um, and uh, and hardware to simulate uh, circuits, integrated circuits. So they're an important part of the whole. You know, there's all these network effects that have built up around ARM chips over the years. It's, TSM and the other foundries and those two companies I just mentioned, Synopsys and Cadence. And mm-hmm. there's just, you know, millions of software developers worldwide. You know, it's a huge ecosystem now that they sit at the center and barely take any, barely skim any money off. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and that's, um, and but that's what a lot of people are looking at. They're looking at the ecosystem and not their portion of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I think. Right, of course. And then on top of that, we have to talk, of course, about this uh, risk with China. <laughs> yes. All right. So 2018, SoftBank, you know, China, it's helpful to have a local partner in China. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide to sell off 52% of the Chinese licensing business, just the, you know, just the part that licenses that writes the licensing contracts and takes the money. <clears throat> they sold off 52% to um, Chinese interests, mostly to a uh, hedge fund called Hopu Investments. They got 35%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other 17% um, was various investment funds and the CEO, Alan Wu, who was a key figure in all this. Right. Um, so just to recap, Arm had 48%, Hopu had 35%, and the remaining 17% was 
all under the control of Alan Wu. He only owned about 2% of it, but the rest was under his control via these investment funds, uh, employee shares, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so in uh, 2020, they found out, Hopu and Arm found out that he was out there trying to build his own vision fund and using Arm licensing terms as a carrot and stick. So he would go to people and say, well, we'll give you a good deal on the arm licensing if you put money into my fund. And if you Hmm. wouldn't put money into his fund, you you couldn't license, right? Hmm. So they fire him and he doesn't leave. And this can happen in China. I did not know this until this happened. That can happen in China. He had physical possession of the company seal, something called a chop. And under Chinese law, that denotes control. So he refused to give up physical possession of the chop. Um, <laughs> that sounds quite it, a <laughs> sounds like a I, I mean, out of a movie gets, or something. It gets, it gets crazy. So <laughs> Arm and Hopu sue him in Chinese courts. He sues back. Um, that kind of goes nowhere for a while, and the implication to me is that. The Chinese government is happy with that situation, that they're slow walking this, right? Then he goes totally broke and starts selling a competing instruction set, probably filled with stolen IP from R, from another company that he's CEO of. And they're just now they're just, you know, Arm and Hopu are just furious. So. They finally, so they find, so what happens is, and I'm not a hundred percent clear on this. The Vision Fund sets up a new entity called Acetone. Acetone is a solvent that cleans up big messes. Mm-hmm. They buy Arms interest in the JV, which is called Arm China. They buy Arms interest at forty eight percent for a little under a billion dollars, but then Arm turns around and gives that money right back to SoftBank and Vision Fund. So now I think it's acetone is a pass-through to Arm for that Arm China money. Arm retained 10% of acetone, so Mm 4.8% of Arm China. Excuse me. Um, So this convinces, somehow convinces the Chinese government to issue a new chop, a new corporate seal, give it to Arm and Hopu. Mm -hmm. And we think that's, you know, I said, I wrote in my in my weekly newsletter, I wrote, oh, I guess it's over. It's finally over. Ends with a whimper, not a bang. I think I wrote. (laughs) What happens next is he still refuses to leave, hires a bunch of thugs and bodyguards, whatever, to to arm up the offices. And the Chinese police have to come in and evict them all. And there's an armed standoff in the armed China offices in, in in Shanghai. They finally evict um, Alan Wu who's still suing them, still running around, selling a competing uh, a competing instruction set with stolen IP. Mm-hmm. And they put in place some guy, and and in the, in the Financial Times story about all this, they just blithely say, yes, he's well known for, he's made his whole career around transferring Western technology to China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's who's running Arm China now. That's who's running the licensing business in China. Okay. So there's an accounting change that goes with all this too. They just gave us stuff where all the Arm China stuff was recorded in the revenue line as a separate revenue line as um, related party transactions. Mm-hmm. Now, because they only own 4.8%, they're going to put it into their equity pool below operating income. So 
I don't know how they're going to do comps even because this was 20% of their revenue was in that related party transactions line. And even if acetone is just a pass through, all that stuff's going below operating income now. So their revenue is going to crash in their next report because it's all coming below operating income in the operating state. So there's going to be these weird comps that are, require a ton of explaining once they start reporting for real. Mm -hmm. So... So, so just to sum up the Arm China thing, they've retaken control, but this guy is still out there selling a competing instruction set and still with pending lawsuits against them mm -hmm. uh, to retake the retake the the um, and he still and he still has I think about fifteen percent control of about fifteen percent of shares in the JV. Mm -hmm. The guy in charge. I don't know much about him except what Financial Times said, which is that he's known for transferring Western technology to China. And they have all this weird, at a minimum, have all this weird accounting, or they just gave up 18% of their revenue for nothing. I don't think that last thing happened, mm -hmm. but I think acetone is just a pass-through. They don't say this, but I think it's just a pass-through. But either way, the comps are going to be crazy because of this once they report again. It's going to make no sense. And there's just going to be a lot of explaining to do for anything above earnings. This, this all sounds like a complete mess. I mean, <laughs> it's such a mess. I've never seen a risk factor like this. They spent 3,500 words on it. At least that, that was Bloomberg's count. I didn't count it. <laughs> Bloomberg decounted it for me. Um, they said it was 3,500 words on Arm China in, in the F1. I mean, it totally dominates the, I mean, it's obvious that it dominates the document. Mm -hmm. Because there's just so much explaining that has to go on. And they don't even talk about the Arm standard. Right. Yeah. I mean, in fact, it's hard to believe that could happen in China. I mean, you, you, I don't know. You, you sort of imagine that they would have. You know, the authorities would have good control of the the situation over there, but I guess not so much. <laughs> I, I I think the implication is the Chinese government sees this JV as a political football and a means mm -hmm. of control, uh, exerting some control at least, over some of the most important IP in the world. Right, of course. And so you got the Chinese government going to be sticking their noses into this. Who needs mm -hmm. that? Um, but, you know, and then there's the issue. I feel bad for SoftBank shareholders because they just got ripped off in this. They just lost $3 billion. They literally right. just handed $3 billion to Vision Fund for nothing. Hmm. Unbelievable. No, I, I, I can't even get into that. That's not even what we're here to talk about. <laughs> it's so, every time I deal with any SoftBank entity, my head almost explodes. This company's unreal. Yeah. The way they, uh, you know, <laughs> they're the people oh. who gave us WeWork. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he told Adam Newman, he told Adam Newman that he wasn't being crazy enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Adam Newman said, I'm afraid I'm being too crazy. He says, no, you're not being crazy enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. So anyway, so I just think there's just all this overhang from China. I love ARM. I, I've been on this. I have a whole portfolio built around this ecosystem at Longview Capital. I love this mm -hmm. whole thing. Right. I think this is a huge growth story. But the valuation is ridiculous. And there's all this overhang from, from China and suing their second biggest customer. So the, I still think that'll get resolved, though, before yeah, they go to the, 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 the suing or the, or the China shootouts? Oh, the, the, the Qualcomm thing. They have plenty of time to resolve it. It doesn't sound like we're talking about much money, really. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more money to arm than it is to Qualcomm. But, you know, Qualcomm's, when it comes to these things, Qualcomm's always going to, you know, they, they pull out the flamethrower always. So they're not going to back down. 
<laughs> they're you know they're known for the playing hardball with licensing terms and everything. So, you know, that's one of the, you know, strong part of their reputation. Right. So it sounds like what you're telling investors right now is uh, stay away from the arm IPO. Would that be fair to say? Well, I'm going to play around on day one, I think. Uh -huh. Just because I think there's a lot of hype around this and there hasn't been an IPO in a while, right? A big IPO in a while. I'm gonna play around on day one, but not beyond that. How does how does how does playing around on day one look then? You, you I, if I can still get at, at the open, if I can still get in, you know, at a at a relatively cheap price, I'm gonna take a you know take a position and get out quickly, one way or mm -hmm. another. I'm gonna get out quickly. I'm not gonna sit mm -hmm. around for long with this. It's gonna move a lot on that first day. That's my that's the one thing I can predict. With with some degree of assurance, that first day is gonna it's gonna fly around because again there just aren't that many shares out there. There aren't gonna be that many shares, and if people are buying, then it's gonna fly up. If people are selling, it's gonna fly down. Right. So I think it's gonna fly up on that first day, mm -hmm. and um, and then there's gonna be a lot of profit taking and. I'm going to be one of those people taking profits. So that's <laughs> right. my plan. It may not work. You know, these things, you know, I'm not going to dedicate a ton of money to this, but it's something that is, I'm going to be watching very, very close. I mean, look, I've been watching them closely, you know, as a segment of SoftBank all these years. Um, you know, I, I check in on them every, I've been checking in on them every quarter since SoftBank bought them. Uh, their reporting used to be very good on the segments and they, they, they used to give it in, in dollars, pounds and yen. <laughs> Cause they're a UK company. So, but, um, so right. anyway, the, the I, I've been following it and I'm going to keep following it. And at some point I'll probably own it again, I think, but not at this value, not at this price. It's too much. It's right. too much. And also, just just to kind of go back on something you mentioned before, I guess is you made that comparison with Mobileye. Do you see then a risk that basically SoftBank, you know, they're only saying seven percent, so in the long term they can just keep kind of adding more supply of shares, which is kind of gonna exactly yeah, put it down. This is a piggy price. bank. This is Mo Mobileye is a piggy bank for Intel. This is a piggy bank for SoftBank when they need cash. Whenever they need mm -hmm. cash, they're gonna sell some shares. Right. Intel needed 1.5 billion. They sold some shares. Right. You know, their right. Intel's going to need more, so they're going to keep selling shares, and I think SoftBank's going to keep needing more. So, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, make it. It's going to make it a little bit difficult to kind of to just hold and profit in the long term. Yeah, I think so. I think there's going to be just from time to time, you know, you know, four or five percent hit for nothing, just mm -hmm. because. Just because SoftBank needed to sell some shares, right? Of course. Now, while we're on the our favorite subject, which is of course artificial intelligence, I also wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, recent earnings of Nvidia. Uh, obviously, you know there's a lot to unpack there, and of course, there's been a lot of speculation around the internet about <laughs> certain nefarious actions between Nvidia <laughs> and uh, CoreWeave and all that all that stuff. Um, First of all, just well, give us your breakdown of the earnings. What what do you think about the latest earnings? The most spectacular earnings I've ever seen. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the most incredible two quarters in a row. And if they hit their in a, and if they hit their um, their mark for next quarter, their their guidance for next quarter, call that three in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, here's what I'm really reminded of. I'm really reminded of early app right now. Mm -hmm that no one can believe it's happening. It, it's so outrageous what's happening, no one can believe it because it just seems so impossible, but it is mm -hmm. happening. Um, you know, when you look, you know, like, okay, just yesterday, just Friday, um, the, the chairman of TSM said it's gonna take 18 months mm -hmm. to, to solve the supply chain issues on the H100 GPU. 18 right. months to ramp to demand. Okay. That's how 
much bigger this is. And remember, TSM works very closely with their customers, and they build the they build node. You know, it, um, Nvidia has a node just for these for, for these chips, and they planned it together with TSM, and and they were off by like a factor of three. Mm-hmm. So it's just some of the, it's just one of the most astounding things. I, I think this is a, an investment bubble, but it's mm-hmm. real, but it's very, very real right now. Um, do we want to talk about the core weave thing? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd be interested in, in hearing your take on it for sure. Well, the core weave thing relies on adding BlackRock into it, that BlackRock made the loan and also owns a ton of NVIDIA shares. Mm-hmm. It's true they own a ton of NVIDIA shares. They also own a ton of Apple shares. They also own a ton of every company because these are shares they own for the, all the ETFs they have. These are the shares they have for Intex ETFs. They are the beneficial owner, of the official beneficial owner of these shares in trust for the ETF. Mm-hmm. So that's they. that's their, they don't own Intel. They don't have like a real beneficial ownership. Of, of of Nvidia, excuse me. Um, so that whole link in it that somehow BlackRock is has all this money invested in Nvidia, so they make a loan to CoreWeave, so CoreWeave can give the money to Nvidia, is just I, I see conspiracies like this mm-hmm. all the time with BlackRock conspiracy theories based on the fact that people don't understand that the shares are held in trust for all their ETFs. Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's talk about CoreWeave. Who's CoreWeave? CoreWeave is a GPU-only um, uh, uh, cloud service. They've had a long relationship already with NVIDIA because they, they host, they that's what they host. They host NVIDIA GPUs, and they've been doing this for a while. Why do they need so many NVIDIA GPUs, Mm -hmm. you might ask? Because they have a deal with Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't have enough GPU capacity, so they made a deal with CoreWeave to paste on CoreWeave's capacity to Azure. Mm -hmm. And now CoreWeave needs more for themselves. Microsoft's Mm -hmm. using all their GPUs. There you go. That's why CoreWeave needs more. Right, because get- Microsoft's hosting OpenAI plus all their other stuff that they have got all this Copilot stuff they're rolling out, and they don't have enough GPUs. Mm-hmm. And as of a few months ago, they still had employees time sharing, like it was a university mainframe in the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and so that so CoreWeave's the reason CoreWeave was able to get the loan. They used the GPUs as a as the asset to back it. But the reason they got the loan was the Microsoft contract. Uh-huh, okay. That's why they got the loan. It's because they have this big contract with Microsoft that mm-hmm. guarantees them a certain floor of revenue every year. Right. For years to come. So you don't you don't feel that that, um, that loan is in any way, I mean, it's, it is a bit, it's definitely rare, right? To see a loan made I don't think on... rare is the word I think I, I think uh, never before seen um, right. to use uh, any sort of chip, uh, any sort of chip as a uh, as an ad. OK, so they claim I don't know the exact details, but, you know, I looked into this when it happened because it sounds so crazy that you would allow asset backing to be something that depreciates that fast. Mm-hmm. BlackRock said they took that into account. Mm-hmm. Um in, in the terms of the loan, I don't know the, the nuts and bolts of that, but they're not stupid. Um, and um, again, it was really about the Microsoft contract, not right. about the GP. That was just, all right, we need an asset to back this. What are we going to use? They don't have mm-hmm. any other assets. That's their asset. I see. <laughs> so... That's and it's you know you, you said rare. I mean, I I don't think this has ever happened. I'm pretty sure this has never happened before because they depreciate so fast. Four years, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. 
Right. Although, everyone's depreciate. Everyone's you know everyone's done this accounting trick. I don't know how widely known this is. Google did it. Microsoft did it. Intel did it. Nvidia did it. Um, everyone did it except for Apple, I think. Which is they moved the depreciation schedule on their data center hardware from four years to six years. Right. I was. And I shockingly, all of a sudden, Google Cloud becomes profitable when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess six years the depreciation schedule that everyone's using now, not four years. But still, that's pretty fast for a loan mm-hmm. to use as an asset for a loan. And I understand everyone's suspicion, but right. Core Weave yeah. needs these. Core Weave has the demand. Mm-hmm. For, you know, the 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 it, for, Microsoft's taken up all their existing infrastructure. They need other infrastructure now to sell to their to their their other customers. So. Right. So now beyond that, let's say okay, that's a legitimate relationship. There was also some speculation surrounding the idea that perhaps Nvidia was um, recognizing some revenues which it hadn't received yet. Well, that would be illegal. Right, I, I saw that. I mean, I, th- th- that someone was, I, I saw one thread that was about somehow they were recognizing it in the service category. Right, exactly. And I, I just, that would be illegal. That would, I mean, Jensen Wang is many things. He gets out over his skis all the time because he's so forward looking. And sometimes he does things that are years ahead of its time, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not a cheat. My God, he's never had anything close to this. It's it's just kind of weird that people went straight to fraud. Right. To well, to be fair, this. there was a there was a issue around two thousand seventeen or eighteen, I believe, where Nvidia got fined by the SEC for not disclosing properly how much of their revenues were coming from cryptocurrency GPUs. They don't know. They literally don't know. They can't. They took that hit. They had to because people are complaining about it. And I'm complaining about it. But remember that they sell chips to other companies mm-hmm. that make cards. They don't. They sell very few graphics cards. Mm-hmm. They make like a one expensive version called a Founders Edition or they, they give it some name, right? But no one buys it. People mm-hmm. buy it from their part they call them partners right Right? so they sell them to all these taiwanese companies who then make the cards they don't know who they sell to right they you know these they're selling you know these they're also selling through mostly through third parties except for the direct relationships with the cloud service providers Mm -hmm. the the i'm talking about the h100 now um, so anyway, they, they don't have great visibility on their customers, and that's been a problem for them. I, I don't I've, I've never liked the way they organize that. I, I always thought they should make the cards. And AMD does the same thing. For what it's worth, AMD does the same thing with their graphics cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just don't know. They really, truly don't know. And we have a better sense of it now that crypto has crashed a bit and we see what graphics looks like. The mm-hmm. graphics, you know, looks like. And that's still doing terribly, by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, um, you know, that's, uh, they had to take that hit. It, it was fair for the SEC to do it, but they have mm-hmm. no way of knowing. Right. You know what all these Taiwanese companies are selling. You know they sell them every all over the place. They have no right. idea. And um, uh, just wanted to address one more issue then, because we did talk about all that risk related to ARM. Do you see it uh, with China? Do you see any kind of risk uh, to Nvidia since you know it has substantial amount of its revenues, which kind of one way or another come stem from China? Well. Chinese aren't Chinese companies aren't allowed to buy the H100 or the A100. Mm-hmm. Um, they are allowed to buy the A800 and the H800, which mm-hmm. are crippled versions of their 100 brothers. Right. Um, so I don't know. You know, I mean, if if they wind up losing that as well, 
and that's a possibility. Um, that's also a problem. But I just think they have mm -hmm. so much. I think they have so much runway, say right. through through the end of the next calendar year. Right. Um, you know, there's just I just see. You know, I follow so many companies downwind of this. Like for example, I own this. I own this little Israeli. Um, semi, they, they make equipment for semiconductor fabrication. Uh, they're called Camtech. They're very mm -hmm. small. Um, but what I like about them is they have this one machine that is specifically good for um, what's called advanced packaging. Mm -hmm. um, and, and NVIDIA's, I don't want to get into what advanced packaging is, but NVIDIA's chips are made with advanced packaging. And the RAM... The, the memory in um, in the H100 cards are also made with advanced packaging, mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden, Camtech, this little tiny company, sells 100 of these machines in a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Well, what's that? That's insane demand for these H100s. TSM trying to ramp up. Other, now we find out that NVIDIA's the big holdup is advanced packaging and NVIDIA is going to other foundries just for the taking TSM wafers and mm -hmm. taking them to other foundries to package them. Right. Like UMC, which is another Taiwanese uh, foundry. Mm -hmm. And um, they still think it's going to take 18 months, even bringing other capacity on from other companies. Mm -hmm. They still think it's going to take 18 months because they never met demand tripled for mm -hmm. the, you know, they, they're, 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 they're at three t TSM right now is trying to fill. Th they're at one third of the capacity they need for, mm -hmm. for advanced packaging just for NVIDIA. Right. So that tells you the demand that gave them all that in the data center is only one third of the actual demand. Mm -hmm. Their data center performance in the in the reported quarter was one third of the actual demand. Mm -hmm. That's what they were able to ship. Right. So, th and is that any risk to the bull thesis? Then, because you know, Nvidia has all this demand, but there's obviously going to be some issues for paying the demand. Right? Is I mean, could that be? A... I think. Well, look the 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 fact that they're taking an eighty. I think their margin, if you t if you pull out, you know, if you if you would do an adjusted gross margin without, you know, all the others, to the the, um, the DNA and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I think they're pulling something like an eighty five percent gross margin on this mm -hmm. thing, just in cash, and, um, you know, that's hard to maintain. That's incredibly hard to maintain. Um, they software is their moat. Mm -hmm. not hardware there's right. other good hardware out there that can do all this stuff cheaper but software is their moat and i think they got i just think they got through the end of next year with this mm -hmm. kind of crazy demand and then we'll see what happens right um but you know i tend to look the, the history of ai is there have been recurring investment booms and busts the mm -hmm. last one was in 2012. NVIDIA got that one too. But that was their old, that, that was before they started making these data center cards. This mm -hmm. was their, their old gaming cards. Um, but like, you know, Google realized this years ago that this was a problem for them. And they started making their own infrastructure, the TPU. They just right. put out the new version of the TPU, the 5E, TPU 5E. Um, the E is for efficient. Efficiency is the name of the game now. Now everyone's trying to make cheaper, 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 cheaper because it's you know it, it's so expensive. The, the clouds, the, the the cloud instances are incredibly expensive. Um, it's just the the whole thing can't is unsustainable. But I think it's sustainable through the end of next year. Mm -hmm. So, but long term, there's no way they can sustain this. Right. Course. But also, it has to be said, they started working on this in 2005. This didn't just happen. 
they've been looking at this since two, they've been trying to make this happen since 2005. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of amazing. It took all this time for it to really boom like this, but like, mm-hmm. the, you know, they've been, no one else has been working the hardware side of this for as long and the software yeah. side of it. So, well, I mean, the, the stock is down about 7% since it hit those highs. Is it time to buy the dip then? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I like, it, it seems like everyone, it, you know, Apple wouldn't go up either in those early years because everyone just kept seeing gloom and doom, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. But I'm I, just as a disclosure, I'm, I'm an NVIDIA shareholder now. You know, after it went down some, I, I, I grabbed it because, you know, this is real. I, this is very real. People don't want to come to grips with it, but it's very real. And I think they got a few more quarters at least mm-hmm. of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I mean, I think this is one of the most exciting stories in business because it's that we talked about this a lot about this last time. It's them against everybody else, including their own customers who would love to stop being customers. <laughs> right. You know, but they can't. They can't. So they have to dance the state, you know, like on the same day, Google announces their new H100 instances for Google Cloud and their new TPU on the mm-hmm. same day in the same press release, mm-hmm. you know, at the same event. So, you know, that just shows you the issue right there. It's, it's, it's right there in that one press release. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. And those NVIDIA instances are going to be far more expensive, but also far more in demand. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah, they're certainly in a, in a privileged position. Now, I don't know how much time you have. I did want to discuss one more issue with you today, if that's all right. If you've got a bit of time. I'm happy to. Because we had some interesting news coming out. Well, not exactly today, but we did see Tesla stock uh, jump about 10%. Following that report by Morgan Stanley, they're predicting that Dojo, which is, of course, Tesla's supercomputer that they're using to train their AI for for the uh, self-driving software, could add 500 billion in market value. Now, um, what are your thoughts there? I mean, you obviously know a lot about AI chips, obviously you know, kind of also very related to NVIDIA because obviously they're very related right. they're to buying, H1, H100. They're one of those they? customers. They're one of exactly. those. Yeah, Tesla's one of those customers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and X Hold, well, actually, it's, isn't it X dot, isn't it X Holdings now? Or I don't know. I, I don't know who owns them all anyway. Um, but, um, I think could is the operative word there. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a long way. Look, I'm very, I'm a Tesla owner, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I, there's not a chance in hell. I would let Elon Musk drive me around, let alone let one of his computers (laughs) drive me around. (laughs) Um, and, um, I think, you know, Okay, so it's an interesting thing that's happening in this shift because AI used to be a rules-based thing, right? Mm-hmm. The old way they were doing it was a rules-based thing. Stop it. When you see a red light, you stop. Right. Right? And that's the way AI was building through about 2012 was the big shift, really, when machine learning took over. Mm-hmm. And it became... Well, we just give it all this data and let the machine make the decisions. We're not going to tell it what the rules are. Maybe we'll and we'll help it after it learns. That's called uh, reinforce human reinforcement learning. I forget. It's humans reinforce the learning, right? They say, mm-hmm. "No, you got that right. No, you got that wrong." You know that type of thing. Um. So this kind this shift is similar to that shift in that. You know, OpenAI can't tell you why exactly why ChatGPT says what it says. Mm-hmm. They can't tell you exactly why, because they, they just, in, in, a, in a large sense, they're just letting it go. And that's what they're talking about with this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, humans run red lights. 
if you're training it on humans, what humans do, humans run red lights. <laughs> right. Humans change lanes without looking. Mm -hmm. Humans don't use their turn signal. So I, I don't know. I don't know. My, my, my serious answer is I don't know because mm -hmm. he's, it's, it's a big step into faith. We're getting into faith here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's not stop at a red light. If you see a red light, stop at it. It's, mm -hmm. um, the computer after seeing, you know, millions and billions of hours of video understands that humans usually stop at red lights, but sometimes they go through them. Sometimes they speed up at yellow lights when mm -hmm. yellow means slow. Right. So. I don't know. So you're not, you're it not sounds dangerous. To, it sounds dangerous to me when people's lives are at stake. Right. Of course. So you're not letting Elon Musk drive you around, but I mean, are you going to let anyone drive you around at all? Oh, I can't wait for, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Google Waymo is coming to L.A. soon. I can't wait uh -huh. to let them drive me around. I'm very excited to take a trip in that. <laughs> but they yeah. do things very differently, though. They have they, they, they work only in very limited areas mm -hmm. um, because they have detailed 3D maps of the areas they serve. So they can only roll it out into areas where they have these detailed 3D maps. So they're doing L.A. now and they're doing New York now, Manhattan. Um, and again, limited, you know, it's not going to be all of L.A. Right. It's just going to be whatever parts. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely let that drive me around. Those are safe. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was uh, I was reading an article that was talking about the... Um, I guess there's some, I don't know if it's Waymo, one of the companies has some of the um, the cabs without drivers. And of course, some people were taking advantage of that situation and uh, you know, do, doing some dodgy stuff inside, uh, yes. yeah. inside the cars. Well, they chose the worst city. Both Cruz and, and, both Cruz and, uh, and Waymo chose San Francisco and <laughs> Phoenix as their first test. To Phoenix is a great idea. There's no pedestrians in Phoenix. It's a simple grid, most of it, until you get into the hills. It's all very laid out very simply with cul-de-sacs. You know, it's a, there's nothing weird. San Francisco has hills and weird turns and angry pedestrians. And, and there's a large portion of the city that just hates all tech. And mm -hmm. another large portion of the city that will just have sex in the backseat. Mm -hmm. So, you know... <laughs> The worst choice possible <laughs> for a test city, I think. They just chose it because it was, I don't know, because it's San Francisco. I don't know. It's a small city. I get mm -hmm. that, you know, it's a, in terms of the footprint, it's a very small city. So mm -hmm. that part made sense. But I don't know. But I, I, I'm someone who thinks self-driving is going to be a thing. I think Elon Musk has been hugely irresponsible in the way he's rolled it out. And, um, you know, when I watch these videos, I can't believe people do this. Mm -hmm. It looks like the tensest thing I've ever seen driving around with with full quote unquote full self driving on. Mm. Um, it looks so tense to sit there with your hands next to the wheel, and your foot right next to the brake, you know, like. Looks much more tense than actual driving. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. You know? It does. It's like, it just keeps making bad left turns. That's what I keep seeing. So, yeah. well, it's uh, it's definitely a, a brave new world that we're that we're heading into AI into with AI, and I'm glad that you take took the time today to uh, to tell us a little bit more about about how it all works. So, uh, thank you very much <laughs> for that. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to happy to do so. This was always like last time. This was fun. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for taking the time, you know, and uh, we'll see how the uh, RMIPO pans out on Thursday. We'll we'll see where NVIDIA stock is in the next six months, and uh, hopefully we can have another chat about it then. I'd love to. I'd love to. All right. Um, All right. Before we, thanks. Before we log off, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, yes. You can, they can find me. Um, tr I'm trading places research at Seeking Alpha. And um, the I run a service there called Longview Capital. 
So that's where they can find me. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you once again for coming on and look forward to the next one. All right. Me too. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to The Pragmatic Investor. If you're still around, I take it you enjoyed the content. So please go ahead and follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. Remember that I do a lot more on Substack and on Seeking Alpha, where I have a weekly newsletter, I do videos, and plenty of technical analysis. You can follow me for free on Substack, YouTube, and Seeking Alpha. Remember, James Ford, Pragmatic Investor.